following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. They started to roll out the nuts and bolts uh, session on a Saturday morning. I found we were synergizing. It wasn't like me coming in like a prophetic guru telling you how it all should be done. It's as we learn together, especially in the Q and A's, we were becoming very quickly a learning community. Much of our journey in local church life is all about being a learning community and a relational community. And you're calling in that place where the two circles overlap. That's where the proof of your calling lies. So this morning, as we continue with the conference theme of progressively prophetic, we're going to look briefly at two expressions of the prophetic, the New Testament prophet and the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophet and the gift of prophecy. It's important we do examine both again because either expression of the prophetic is no stranger to living waters. Your theology is deep in that area. Your understanding incredibly wise and and perceptive. But the conference theme is progressively prophetic. So what we're doing is updating the revelatory truth we have of the gift of New Testament prophet and the gift of prophecy. I have an iPad, and every now and again I get a software update, and I have to set the software update, and all these apps on my iPad and The iPad operating system is updated so it can deal with what it has to deal with in the present. And it's like that in our lives. If I came here this morning and taught about the New Testament prophet and the gift of prophecy the way I did in the 1990s, it would sound very 1990s. The kingdom of heaven has moved on by then. We have followed the cloud by day and the cloud of fire by night. And we are seeking to be contemporary, cutting-edge, prophetic people in the kingdom of heaven. The New Testament prophet is becoming a more interesting creature in that he is one of the, or she is one of the five ministry gifts of Jesus Christ. In other words, Ephesians 4, verse 11, itemizes what the gifts of Jesus Christ are. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. In the 1990s, we had pastors and teachers in local churches, prophets emerging, and apostles emerging. And a very thin line of evangelists. What's got my own attention is this. There's very few well-developed 
New Testament evangelists in the church. Many say they are. I'm not sure they are. It's between them and God. I'm not an Old Testament judge. But I don't see it on the lives of many who claim to be evangelists. So it's so important there is a mature and vibrant set of gifts of Jesus Christ in the church in 2023. Because it's within that group that the present ministry of Jesus Christ is demonstrated to the church. So, in simple terms, the ministry of Jesus Christ is in the church today. It doesn't come through the hole in the ozone layer, if there is such a thing. It comes through the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. In other words, it's a headship ministry, the very mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, the restorational messages of Christ, the prophetic direction of Christ, the impartations of Christ, the winning, the winning of the lost will be an expression of the gifts of Jesus Christ. So very briefly, we're looking at the New Testament prophet through that lens. The New Testament prophet of today, the software, hasn't really changed. The gift within a man or woman called to be a New Testament prophet has not really changed. Prophets are an extension of the ministry of Christ himself into the world. That's so motivational in my own walk of life because traveling when you get to a certain age becomes more challenging. It really does. But the motivating factor is when I go on the road, the ministry of Christ Jesus goes on the road with me. Prophets are an equipping ministry to bring people into effective service in the body of Christ. So over this weekend, as we are journeying together as progressively prophetic, there's a sense in my own spirit that this is something that the Lord wants to train and equip you in, that there'll be a clicking in your spirit and organic growth in your spirit that you can serve the body of Christ. I've come to understand the process of forming prophets takes a long time. It's not really a microwave ministry where you shove a dude in the microwave, press a button, and he comes out three minutes later looking rather frazzled, but immediately prophesying. I didn't know for a long time God was preparing me to be a prophet. I had been preaching and teaching and winning the lost since 1986, but I was to go into lengthy wilderness experiences and wrestle with debilitating health. Almost like life in God was incredibly challenging. When I got to church and the congregation was singing about how God gives them strength for every day, I would say to the Lord, you don't give me strength for every day. Look at the state I'm in. Just saying, Lord. Just saying. That was okay because it was what you call an honest communication. 
with God. I'm sure he winked at me and said, watch this space. Something's cooking in the kitchen. Bonehead. So prophets take a long time to actually develop. Because it's not so much about the slickness of the prophetic word they bring or the teaching they can communicate. It's literally the heart and mind of Christ filtering through prophetically. Prophets need a deep work of the Spirit of God. And a big requirement is to learn to work under authority in order to have authority. Here's a good question to ask yourself generally. A fellowship like this is going to attract all kinds of people and wanting to not just not necessarily be part of the church family, but minister into the church family. Every significant church in every city of the world has creatures like that blowing the door. But here's a kicker. If they're not under authority, they can't have any authority. It's just as simple as that. No exception. No exceptions. Beware of those who try and walk, climb over the wall of the church and drop down and begin to minister amongst the people. Every local church has a shepherd and a gate and the sheep, the flock come in the gate and the shepherd knows them all and loves them all. So prophets need to be undercover and under authority. Not paying 50 bucks to be irreverent on an internet site, but to have real relationship in their coverings, very deep relationship in their coverings. A few days ago, I discovered that Go I Am, an apostolic ministry that I've been part of since 2001, and initially was licensed and ordained as a minister into the body of Christ, passed away in her sleep. Go I am is no more. The ministry association has passed away. My relationship with some of the people there will continue. Now my covering is Gateway Church in Glasgow where I am an associate pastor. Assemblies of God Great Britain where I'm a licensed and ordained minister. And Living Waters Church but I'm a member. I've been a member of this church since 2004 and became the in-house prophet in 2012. So I'm undercover this week. There are people, I can give you names, email addresses, and cell phone numbers. If you're unhappy about anything to do with me and you want to take it to higher authority, then I'm that's all in order. If you are unhappy after this morning's session about me and say Alan's sense of dress is absolutely appalling, what's a man is at 63 doing wearing a, wearing a pair of Reebok training shoes, then I can give you numbers, email addresses, and names. I just pray the person you call is not wearing Reebok training shoes. <laughs> He will hang up on you. <laughs> All prophets have the gift of prophecy. 
And we're going to look at that in a few minutes. We're going to unpack what the gift of prophecy is all about. But they go beyond the gift of prophecy. Not because they're any more spiritual than you and I. Not because they are incredibly intelligent and dream scriptures and original Hebrew and Greek languages. It's because the software has activated and they can do that. In Acts 11, 27 through 30, Agabus prophesied about a famine that was coming on the known world. And that happened. It actually came to pass. I'm sure he had no idea what he was going to prophesy when he turned up um, in the church at Antioch. He was one of the heavy hitters from Jerusalem, the hub of Christianity. And we're going to be looking a little bit more at Agabus in our message tomorrow morning as we continue with the conference theme. That prophets will move out of the gift of prophecy into word of knowledge, into word of wisdom, into specific future information. How can prophets do that? Are they Christian fortune tellers? No, here's the inside track information. The Holy Spirit shows them things to come in your life. It's all scriptural. It's all understandable. Why do prophets lay hands on you when they prophesy over you? It's because they move in the area of impartation. 1 Timothy 4, 14 means when a prophet prophesies over you and lays hands on the side of your head or shoulders, there is an impartation. The Holy Spirit is working in a way that the word spoken will carry with it an anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring it to pass. When a prophet prophesies over you, he's seeding you with truth. He's saying, go on a journey with this stuff and watch what my Holy Spirit says in you, does in you, and organizes in your externals. New Testament prophets see clearly in the spirit realm. They have gifts such as discerning of spirits. They can move into a unique God space and become blissfully unaware of their surroundings as they're pressing in and believing on your behalf. But as we unpack what it means to be a New Testament prophet in the year 2023. Having that software and capacity is all very well, but what does that mean for you and I when we come under the ministry of a prophet? It means this, we receive the prophetic impartation as a group who are in contemporary church. I've become more aware, and I've said this, at Living Waters in the past, that we are an Alpha and Omega people with a generation of saints at our Omega level. The last generation of saints, potentially, 
before the return of Jesus. If not, we will transmit what we have into a future generation of Omega people. The Alpha people came on the earth on the day of Pentecost. The Alpha people were first generation people. Not the Alpha variant of COVID, but the Alpha variant of the Holy Spirit. And we're in the Omega phase, which means prophetic language, impartations, and purposes need to align with what God's doing on the earth. The beauty of being part of the body of Christ on the earth is we're part of a body that's awakening gently and slowly at this hour. And we've all got a little part to play. We've all got something to play in the contemporary body of Christ. We looked at that last night as we discover progressively prophetic people have a calling to participate in the body of Christ. I made sure the parameters were nice and wide so it was all inclusive, not just prophetic superstars in the church. All inclusive because if you have the Holy Spirit, you are prophetic and you have a part to play in the body of Christ. But New Testament prophets, I believe, are going to move into the realm of signs and wonders. Often I will pray physical healing over individuals I am prophesying over, and I want to see the Holy Spirit bring that healing instantly, bring the miraculous instantly. New Testament prophets right now, don't tell them I told you this, but we haven't a clue what we're doing. It's the truth of it. Our best position is running as hard as we can to catch up with God. We're trying to discover a new mindset, a new language, receive prophetic revelation that can point the body of Christ into something that will happen. No possibility thinking, revelatory thinking. Prophets in the truest form express a body of knowledge to you and I. And this is reality. This is reality. Because in the running to catch up and progressing prophetically, there will be another flashpoint in the spirit where apostles at the moment who are running to catch up will experience along with the prophet a convergence of minds and hearts that Ephesians 2 verse 20 will be established in the church once again. The apostle and prophet building foundation into the saints with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we're literally a community where we are learning together. We're a movement in transition. And in that movement, we are beginning to see what we carried prophetically, beginning to wither and die, but be seated in the new. There's still a massive generation of men and women receiving the call to be a New Testament prophet. Simultaneously, I have a problem with this. 
There are people doing courses online or at live events. And after the 12 or 15 weeks going through the course, they're being graduated as prophets into the body of Christ. And they're not. They are not. I'm angry in the righteous sense of so-called prophets and leaders in the body of Christ doing that to young people, doing that to men and women, only to see them bitterly disappointed later. New Testament prophets grow organically, often out of the gift of prophecy. And when there's a draw to the word of God, wrestling through theology, and on Thursday night, as we gathered as pastors and leaders, young prophets in training have this distinguishing mark about them that exudes the favor of God. Every true prophet depends on that mark of distinction. That the discerning body of Christ can look and ponder and eventually conclude that man or woman is a prophet. I know I'm called to be a New Testament prophet. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at right now in that calling. But ultimately, it's not about what I say about myself. It's what the body of Christ discerns about me. I cannot be a prophet on my own right. I depend on invitations from the church to say, will you be a prophet amongst us? We desire that you come to our church and be a prophet amongst us. I'm also a pastor back home in Glasgow. I've been in assemblies of God pastor now for 10 years. But all have sinned and come short of the assemblies of God. So as I went through the process of discerning and recognizing, training, and then being set apart into the ministry of pastor, when I turn up at my home church every Sunday morning in Glasgow, the people there have given me permission to be their pastor. And what an honor that they trust me enough to speak into the spirits and speak into the lives. So the whole arrangement of New Testament prophets and any gift of Jesus Christ is more about attraction rather than promotion. Beware of those who promote themselves. Beware of those who go around every church in the community and promote themselves. If we have to promote anyone in this crazy gig called life, we promote Christ Jesus. Amen. Gift of prophecy. Well, that's always been the gateway gift into the prophetic realm. Unbeknown to me, I started moving in the gift of prophecy in 1988. I obeyed God at a Sunday night service in Glasgow, Scotland, because he gave me a word for a woman sitting in front of me. I could only see her back. I didn't know her. She was a stranger. I wrestled with giving the word. I eventually did. I was astonished to discover it was accurate. Like, seriously? Because the, the gal fell apart and dissolved in the floor. Uh, a leader in the church, a female leader, moved alongside her, ministered to her. She turned around and spoke to me at the end of the service. 
and 15 months later, I married her. In those days, I thought if you prophesied over a woman, you had to marry her. So when I go home a week on Monday to my 57 wives, I will have a look at my theology. But seriously, that's how Margot and I met. As the Lord called me to step out into the gift of prophecy. And then, of course, unbeknown to me, the, the journey of being shaped and formed as a prophet began. The gift of prophecy is available to you this morning. It's available by prayer. It's available by the laying on of hands. It's available by faith and patience. And I encourage you, if you don't have the gift of prophecy, to believe the Holy Spirit before you leave here. You may be manifesting the gift of prophecy before you leave the service. But the Lord wants you to know that you're in a safe house. You're in a safe place. The gift of prophecy has a basic operation for any man or woman moving in the gift of prophecy will bring a word of encouragement, a word to strengthen you, a word to comfort you. They will not send you to Africa two weeks on Tuesday. They will not name the person you're going to marry and give you your credit card number. It's a very basic gift. And bringing it up to speed, the gift will reflect what the Lord has been teaching you in recent days. Where you are at in your redemptive journey. What you've been redeemed out of. So that when you speak from that revelatory basis in your life, over someone who may or may not be a stranger, you will leave them with an impression of being encouraged, being strengthened, being comforted. It's a gateway grace for the gift of prophecy fits comfortably alongside the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the body and the gifts that go into the body of Christ nourish the body of Christ. Historically, over the years, prophecy goes wrong in a local church. When someone has a gift of prophecy, decides they're now going to be a prophetic sensation. A prophetic sensation. And take it beyond the boundaries of the gift of prophecy and go into the spirit realm where there's an alien spirit just waiting to hang around with them. He will give them revelation, but it won't be accurate. They will try and prophesy ministry callings. They will try and prophesy future direction. They will try and bring correction to the leadership. And in that place, in the spirit realm where God isn't, they will partner with an angry spirit, a domineering spirit, and begin to abort the gift of prophecy in the process. As I seek to wrap up this brief teaching, the gift of prophecy 
It's not meant to prophesy people into specific ministries. It's not there to give leaders instruction or direction. And it's not really a place where you give or receive words in private. Prophetic ministry in a local church is designed to be healthy. But it requires every prophetic word to be judged and weighed. Don't give or receive a prophetic word without a responsible leader present. It's meant to keep the prophetic flow in the local church safe. I fully expect every prophetic word I give over this weekend to be judged, weighed and tested. To get to a place of, this is how we see the word Alan gave you in the Holy Spirit. There might be elements of it you're unsure of, but test it in the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will let you know very quickly, yeah, yeah, this is of me. And if it's a neutral response, the Holy Spirit saying, yes, yes, this is of me. But just keep trusting me in the meantime and obeying me in the meantime. I always encourage pastors and leaders, beware of those who come from the outside. Most people who come from the inside thinking they're God's voice to speak into churches, have personality issues and are often sick in their spirit and soul. I've traveled globally now for 26 years. And when I've turned up at churches and conferences, there's often such creatures from the outside really keen to get their hands on me at the end of the meeting to give me a prophetic word. I don't know they're not one of the sheep of that flock. And that troubles me. They've climbed over the wall. They haven't gone through the shepherd. They really have no presence or influence in that local church. It grieves me. Please take this to heart. Please feel as grieved as I feel this Saturday morning because they're off in trouble going somewhere to happen. Have prophetic protocols that men or women cannot come from the inside and expect to be prophesying over people at that meeting. Disregard the God told me nonsense. It is nonsense because God does not operate outside of his governmental system in the body of Christ. Prophetic expression is designed to be safe and in an era where the enemy is raising up false prophets seeking to come in and devour the flock of God. We need to be vigilant, but not cynical. We need to be aware and loving, but not seek to treat even invasive forces harshly. We just press the mute button. We say, sit on your blessed assurance and shut your mouth. <laughs> Sit in love, of course. And at the end of the service, they will leave and you will never see them again. I know how all of this pans out. Tell them we need to get to know you as a person, your history, see where you fit in our family. We're not ministry-driven in this church. We're relationally driven, apostolically led, 
and relationally driven. That's a good expression for Living Waters Church. But as I do my final wrap-up this morning, only said I was wrapping up 10 minutes ago to give you false hope. I'm going to encourage you to pray Ephesians 1, 17 to 20 every day. I'm praying this prayer out loud 20 to 30 times a day. Have you prayed this prayer out loud several times this morning, Alan, before you came here? Absolutely. Do you know what? I'm going to pray it again this afternoon. The main part of that prayer is God will give you and I a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. That we may see the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. Wherever we're at in the contemporary prophetic, running to catch up, when the rubber hits the road, we minister out of the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. Anointed men and women of God have been ministering out of the glorious riches of Christ for 2,000 years. That's essentially who we are, containers of the glorious riches of Christ and prophesying out of that. Please take it to heart. If you do nothing else this year, but pray that prayer out loud every day a number of times in your lunch break at work, after dinner at night, before you go to sleep, when you rise in the morning, by the end of 2023, you will be quite a different preacher. You will be an utter prophetic groove. When you walk into the church, people will say, here comes the prophetic groove. That prayer will take you deeper and deeper and deeper. Not into that hole in the ozone layer, but into the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. Have we synergized this morning? Are we in a better place now as a prophetic people than when we began at 10 o'clock? Praise God. I am, I don't fancy your chances much. But seriously, it's been true synergy. Learning together, growing together. I'll hand the meeting back now to Bob for some direction. Yeah, we just... We want to give a little bit of time for a question and answer. I do ask that you ask a question and not make a commentary uh, for sake of time. We just want some good questions that Alan uh, will be happy to try to answer. And if he doesn't know the answer, he knows who does. Amen? Yes. Could you talk a little bit about the difference between the Romans 12 prophecy and the Ephesians, is it three prophecy or three Ephesians four? Yeah, um, absolutely. My understanding and theology of the Romans 12 gifts would be grace gifts that describe what's in every believer. I believe the human spirit has all those seven gifts 
resident is a controversial bit in every human being. You don't have to be a believer to move in those grace gifts, but there'll be unredeemed grace gifts. How many people do you know that are unsaved, but they're incredibly merciful, or great givers, or they can teach you just in a conversation, not in a formal lecturing, lecturing mode, but you just kind of feel you've been taught something in the narrative. This is what makes human beings interesting. And the profit part of the human spirit is <clears throat> the part where the Lord births and the Lord speaks. Not so we can launch into a prophetic ministry, but the profit part, my own understanding and I'm very willing for it to be adjusted or corrected, is within the profit part of this grace gift or um, redemptive gift is the profit part of a spirit is coded with language. It's like a prophetic DNA. And when the Holy Spirit moves in the prophetic part of a spirit, then the language comes alive and begins to change us prophetically. Every believer's calling is essentially a prophetic journey, but they may not be called to minister prophetically or even prophesy over individuals. So over the 26 years, I've been an active prophet in the body of Christ. I focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit the gifts of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 4 and the grace gifts or redemptive gifts in Romans 12. It's a big conversation, my brother. I've tried to bring it to bullet point level and pray that that's helped you somewhat. What fascinates me is watching unsaved people moving in the grace gifts. It means all human beings are Fab. I love them all. Because I see even in horrible people, usually one of those grace gifts, which gives me something good to say about even horrible people. Do you know, and I should say this, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but over my journey as a leader in the body of Christ and as a pastor, I can think of one or two people <clears throat> I have nothing good to say about at all. Because there's no evidence of even those unredeemed grace gifts being active. But I'm glad to say it's the minutiae. It's the minutiae. Moving the lives, Lord. Moving the lives. Has that helped? Excellent. Thank you for that question. Good question. Anyone else? Uh, my sister yesterday got like asked, you know, what are you going to be doing this weekend? And she said, I'm going to a prophetic conference. And the person asked, like, well, what is that? And then she asked me, like, how would you explain that without it sounding like a cult? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call a direct question. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> That's a loaded question. I think I'll answer it in Greek. <laughs> so no one understands, including me. Well, <clears throat> we'll answer it directly, not so much on the point of prophetic conference, but cult. And we all need to know what a cult is. If you're only listening to one voice, you're in a cult. Um, most local churches in mainstream Christianity are um, highly interactive and listen to lots of voices and have been shaped and formed by lots of voices, whether in the spoken word or the written word. Let me just see, put your hand in the air right now if your Christian life has been shaped and formed by many voices. Yeah, so we're not in a cult. That's good. It's when someone takes us into a situation where we only listen to his voice or her voice and gradually introduces us into mechanisms of control and domination, then you're in a cult. So to try and answer the first part of the question. People gathering this weekend for the prophetic conference have a history in the body of Christ. And some people coming along are, are, are not even members of Living Waters Church. And I'm definitely not part of a cult because I'm in a recognized denomination. This is my home church. Over my 40 years as being a believer, I've functioned in many capacities as a, an evangelist, missionary, prophet, pastor, and fledgling academic, although that's been put in hold at the moment. So you can explain it in such terms and maybe in the process squeeze the prejudices out of the person that asked the question in the first place. Has that helped you? Good. You feeling more settled about that? No. Good stuff. I aim to please. I aim to please the world around me. Um, you talked about like accountability, but outside of that, um, is there like a stewardship or any follow through with the released word from like the the givers, the prophesier's perspective? If there's recognized leaders hearing the prophetic word spoken over you, they will help you steward the word. Mm -hmm. And if there was any issues, then the recognized leaders would have a conversation with the person giving the word mm -hmm. to adjust it, have a loving, caring conversation. And if the word was in error, clearly a wrong word, that would be part of the conversation. But the other side of it, leaders encouraging the giver of the word and praying for them to develop a, a deeper hearing ear. And then my other question is, what change happens when a prophetic word is released? Like, what happens? In simple terms, there's a new alignment where the receiver is either being confirmed and where they're at in the present alignment of God in their life, or it will begin to leverage them out of the present alignment into the future. But it can mean new ministry giftings, being birthed a new direction in lives, transitions in careers, 
It's always in the context of the, the word given and should be understandable. And as weeks and months, even years go by, the accuracy of that word is there to be seen or not. I found that when a New Testament prophet gives a meaningful word, it will still be alive in the receiver's life a generation or two later. It has no sell-by date. I've seen words given to me come to pass, and I thought, well, that's done and dusted. Then 10 years later, the word kicking in again. And in my kind of Scottish boneheadedness, I thought the Lord forgot he had fulfilled that word. But then I realized the living word of God does not have a sell-by date attached to it. I think as we engage with prophecy at an intellectual level, at a studious level, then you begin to realize how much of the character of God is behind that yeah. prophetic word. It's a privilege to give a prophetic word and it's a privilege to receive a prophetic word. For a long time in the body of Christ, personal prophecy was simply was not there. It wasn't an option. Has that helped? Good stuff. Yes, Dave. Could you kind of um, talk a little bit about does a prophecy, is it going to happen versus the co-laboring with the hearer of the prophecy? In other words, there's many times I'll tell people that prophecy is an invitation into a relational journey. You know, that that's possible. But do you have any sensing of, like, times where it's going to come to pass no matter what versus, you know, the thing with Agabus, you know, prophesying a, a, a drought or whatever, or Paul getting bound. That was going to happen as Paul went. But there's a lot of prophecy, it feels to me, like there's a co-laboring in faith in a relational journey with God. Can you comment on that? Absolutely, David. Um my experience is twofold. A lot of prophecy comes to pass without any co-laboring at all. It just does. But when it, the prophetic word's on point about calling, for example, or saying you're like this biblical character, Daniel, that is a direct invitation to partner with the Holy Spirit. Um, if it's a ministry calling that there's a strong calling on you to pastor the people of God or to be a prophet or to move in the apostolic. That requires a serious response from the believer. If he, or she say, if he or she says, well, if it's God, it will happen, that's a wrong response. It's like go and talk to your senior pastor or recognized leaders and say, what do I do with this? And leadership know where you're at. When God called me to be a prophet in 1987, he was speaking to me prophetically about me. He dealt with a lot of my early years as a Christian prophetically, where he would speak strongly to my life and gently to my life, but never giving me anything for other people. It was prophesied over me at 
a John Wimber conference that was going to move mightily in prophecy and healing in the USA. And at that time, I was a missionary, and I thought, that's what I'd be doing next. Of course, in the immaturity, I didn't understand that it was only the start of the process. It took 12 years for that word to come to pass. A lot of suffering in that time, a lot of studying in that time. My heart and being rearranged in God to be less selfish and more selfless. Instead of thinking, why do all those things happen to me? It was a journey of thinking, why do all these things happen to people? And I wasn't trying to be a goody gumshoes. I really wasn't. But it would have been the nature of the 12 years between the word being spoken and the word only beginning to be fulfilled. Now I'm 24 years into the fulfillment of that word in the USA. And I'm, I'm seeing the Lord continue to confirm that word. But the stuff that happens automatically is your free money, Dave. The other stuff is, okay, Holy Spirit, what do I do with this? I remember being at a, a missional conference in 1994, and it was three years before I had the encounter with God to be a prophet. And the Holy Spirit started moving on me, and confirming at me at the mission, confirming to me at the missions conference, you have a big calling on your life. It's on course, everything's in place. So I said, okay, uh, Lord, what do I do? Do I give up my degree and start to study something differently? He said, no, no, you just keep on, complete your degree. I had two more years to go at that stage. Then I said, well, do I study something different? Do I go to any Bible school or do any course of study? He says, no, no, just keep on doing what you're doing at the moment in your study life. So it was another time of confirmation. A lot of internal development had taken place at that time, and a lot of learning and progress had been working in my life up to that time. But there was three more years of internal work of the Holy Spirit required. And it's helped give me that overview. And it's worth also mentioning, Dave, if any man or woman receives a, a word on apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, there will be a stage they want to study theology. Not necessarily to be an ivory tower academic. They just want to because they just want to, because they've got to. All that's going on in their lives. It's theology that makes a fivefold ministry really safe. Very, very safe. So an airhead, the fivefold gift is an accident going somewhere to happen. That's another litmus test to anyone who climbs over the wall and claims to be anything on the fivefold spectrum. Tell me about your theological training. What's your dominant theological themes? Where does your theological expertise lie? And if they're authentic, they'll give you a real answer and apologize for climbing over the wall instead of coming through the gate. But if they're not, they'll give you some mumbo-jumbo. They will speak from original Greek. You'll be none the wiser at the end of the conversation. 
Sorry, I've expanded that a little, Dave. But has that answered your question? Yeah, having pastored the church here and with you having prophesied, there are times, there were times that you would say something and we would just kind of put it, you know, well, it doesn't make sense now. And then five years later, we'd kind of say, oh, this is that. It was that kind of like it happened under the radar where we didn't cooperate with it at all. Yeah. But it defined where we were at and that we were in the will of God. Yeah. It was really, really helpful. And yeah. there's other times where that would lead us in making a decision, um, not because we, you know, make decisions off of prophecy, but it, it came as a later witness. And a lot of those things, they just kind of lay low. So we I've seen the benefit of having pastored a church where we had a strong prophetic voice that wasn't necessarily in the moment, but it helped us to recognize moments as we moved on. So, Thank you, Dave. Yeah, true prophet will bring the future into the present and then fulfill the present in the future. Uh, and then we know the Lord is with us. Perhaps that's why the Lord does what he does in the prophetic, that there's a real sense of, yes, the Lord is with us. The Lord is truly here. Thank you. That's a good question. Looking forward to our journey to Caledonia. So is there different types of prophets? I mean, like, um, I guess, or degrees of prophets? Do you always, if you're, if you're a prophet, do you always have personal prophecies for people? Is that a gift that's always there? Or can, it, can you have, you know, you don't get that that much, but you have more for the body or for, you know, does that make sense? Oh, a lot of sense, and I'm glad you asked that question. The evidence of a maturing body of people is when the prophet's primary calling is to preach and teach the word of God, not to deliver personal prophecy. And part of that is the training and equipping of the saints to be prophetic. A mature believer can hear a more sure and certain prophetic word through the preaching and teaching ministry of a prophet. At the same time, any New Testament prophet worth the salt can bring forward a prophetic word too. It depends on how you see it. I think at the beginning of the prophetic movement in the 1980s, I think everyone wanted a prophecy. It was so exciting. Why not? God really did love us and know all about us and say nice things to us. But as the body has developed and matured, I've met believers who have so grown prophetically that when, they give you, when they've given me a word, it's like getting a word from a prophet. It's so good. They've deepened in their gifting. They would say, I'm not a prophet. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. But I'm a lover of God and I've grown in prophetic grace and give the glory to the Lord in the process but the truth potential of a prophet will not be realized until Ephesians 2 20 is established in the church Kerry 
And that's working arm in arm with the apostle. That's when there'll be a full realization of apostolic and prophetic grace in the church. Apostles generally can prophesy too, I find. That gift is in them. And lots of pastors can now prophesy because they have been trained and equipped by prophets, teachers and evangelists. But at the end of the day, more and more of the body has that potential. But to move more deeply into that potential, we have to be a hearing community first. And generally that comes through the preaching and teaching of the word of God. The same anointing that's on me when I prophesy is on me when I preach and teach the word of God. And I jokingly say, consider anything prophetic I speak over you, hit and miss, but take very seriously what I say when I preach the word of God. There are some prophets that are only called to be their in-house prophet and never leave the boundaries of the fellowship, the work of the pastor and teacher groups in the church and develop that prophetic grace. There's others that may be called to the city, to the nation, or to the nations. And God sets a pace to go at the pace of grace. And in truth, prophets tend to stumble over destiny and are astonished when God opens doors in the early years of the calling. But as there is a variety of apostles being raised up in the church, so there's a variety of prophets being raised up in the church. But they all have the same need of governmental qualifications, preparation qualifications, and character qualifications. Has that helped, Kerry? That's good. And this is maybe more of a comment than, than uh, a question, but yeah, like, She'll get the prophetic, that, that really helped her, because she'll get a prophetic word for a church or even a region. I am never get prophetic words, hardly ever, for someone in the church. Mine's in the marketplace. And it may be in evangelism, maybe in another believer of another business. So it's just, yeah, it's the way the Holy Spirit's moving right now. He's moving. He's moving out there a lot. So, Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing marketplace apostles being raised up in marketplace prophets. I think there's a lot of pastoral work going on in the marketplace at the moment, and that's through believers that have been under a very strong pastor that's developed the pastoral in them, Ken. I'm just watching, praying, seeking to learn. But in banner headline terms, every church should have over the door of the church, exit door of the church, the mission field begins here. Instead of the outside of the church, when we walk in, we see that when we walk out, and we need to have a theology, not as big as the church, but as big as the city, as big as the public square, as big as a nation, and as big as the nations of the earth. Character, character qualifications, yeah. That would be more preparation, Kerry, and it would vary from person to person, yeah. 
Can you talk about the role of the gift of prophecy and evangelism? Like, how does that function differently than the way it does within the church? It's the same gift, It's but can you talk a little bit about that? Well, prophetic is invaluable in uh, evangelism. Renee, uh, it means the recipient has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus demonstrated this um, at the woman with the woman at the well, um, and it sparked off a revival. But she had an encounter, and it broke through cultural barriers, featured their personal history, and imparted really the anointing of the evangelist. That woman would have continued, I'm sure, as an evangelist, the woman at the well ministries, um, and would have won many, definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it's as simple as that. What mechanism is God using to bring an encounter of himself to another human being? Words of knowledge are very helpful in that area, but you don't have to be religious in delivering the word of knowledge. I flew out of Minneapolis one time to go to Dallas-Fort Worth in Texas. I got a business class upgrade. Yay. I found myself sitting beside in the business cabin an executive of Warner Brothers, Matt Thompson. I've never forgotten his name. And we get chatting. And I'm not the friendliest passenger on a plane. I'm usually fried and just want to sit for a while. <laughs> but the Lord engineered a conversation and we connected and we asked each other, what do you do? And I tapped into the word of knowledge gave him a lot of bio details of his years when he was in college. He was stunned, absolutely stunned. At the end of that conversation, he gave me his card and told me, anytime you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex, come and stay with me. And we kept in touch for a while by email. He'll still be in my email address book somewhere. So he didn't fall on the floor and start to cry and say to the cabin crew, buy this guy a large coffee. He was impacted by God. I don't know where that went, but I know in his mind he'd be going, how did he have known that? Because he was not naturally a generous person sharing private information in his life. I never forgot it. First of all, sitting in, king, in business class, nearly said kingdom class. Forgive my arrogance. And seeing the Lord impact, really an executive in the entertainment industry. But did I want to do that when I boarded the aircraft? No, I wanted just to be like Greta Garbo. I want to be alone. Because I did. I wanted to get my thoughts together and work out what I was going to preach next. But the Lord intervenes in our day. But he may intervene in another person's day. So to answer your question, Renee. The prophetic is invaluable. I, I have a question relating a little bit to what Ken said. Um, uh, and Carrie started asking if there were different levels of outreach of prophetic to depending upon where you're at or who you're with. Um, Ken said he's out there in the marketplace and that's his calling. My calling is uh, local government. And um, 
remembering earlier, we talked about the importance of prophecies given uh, being judged so that they're correct and line up with the word. But mine never are because they're so private and personal. I pray for God to give me a gift, uh, a word for this person, if an uh, officer, if I'm going to meet with them. But I would say there's five right now, two sheriffs, a state representative, a mayor, and a city councilman, and God brought them all to me. They call me their prayer warrior and friend in their corner, but the, when, I give them, when I give them the word, um, it's nothing prophetically about their future, but it's a special word from the Father's heart to them, and none of them even knew what a prophecy was before, but they're all Christians and believers. And um, so my word to them is always, always and only just exhortation and encouragement for God knowing who they are, what they're doing, and their calling, the integrity of their heart, and of his presence and promises to them. So, um, but nobody... Um, judges it. It's just coming from the Father's heart to mine to theirs, and they receive it, and it, it uplifts and encourages them for in the hard times they're in right now in their positions in government. Is that okay? Of course it is. More power to you. You're sharing the Father's pastoral heart, but using a prophetic medium, a prophetic route. So keep on doing what you're doing there. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.